You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 18. Today, I'm talking with Michelle O'Brien, who's generously offered to share her story of losing her daughter a few days after birth. This one is a tough one, so I'd like to offer a trigger warning for those who have been through miscarriage and infant loss. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Fertility Academy. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm talking with Michelle O'Brien today. This is the first time ever on the podcast where we're doing a bit of a dual interview. Michelle and I both have a community that we serve online and we want to be able to talk about each other's offerings. But before we jump in, I want to share her bio. Michelle lives in Toronto, Ontario. She's a mother of four girls, three in her arms and one in her heart. Her first daughter, Harper, passed away due to complications three days after birth. She aims to bring awareness, compassion, and hope to other women's lives who have suffered heartbreak in regards to pregnancy through her company, Well Together Health. Well Together is an online platform that aims to provide resources to families who have experienced pregnancy-related loss. Through mindfulness, nutrition, and movement, she hopes to help other women navigate their own journeys. So without further delay, let's play that interview. Okay, welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. So before we dive in, I did read your bio in the introduction to the show, but if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey, that'd be great. Sure. So um, my name is Michelle, and I am a mom to four girls. Uh, I have three here with me and one, unfortunately, no longer with us. Uh, My firstborn, Harper, passed away um, three days after she was born. So I've kind of been through quite a journey in the last couple of years. Her birthday actually is this coming uh, Sunday. Happy birthday to Harper. Thank you so much. Yes, she would be six. She is six, I kind of like to say. And so it was six years ago, really, that this journey kind of began of motherhood and it looking a little bit different than I thought it would. So I've started something, an initiative, I guess you could call it for now, and it's called Well Together Health. And it's it's trying to be open about, you know, loss and grief and pregnancy related loss and grief. Um, not solely, but kind of more specifically. So yeah, this is kind of where my path has led me. And I'm super excited to talk to you and talk about it. And uh, hopefully, you know, open it up to people who are looking for that kind of support. Amazing. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. We've been chatting for a while, and we finally get to share our thoughts with each other. So this is great. great. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about what happened with Harper? Sure. So I had a very normal pregnancy. Um, You know, it was, I was 39 weeks when things looked kind of, well, not things looked, I should say, things felt off. Um, So I was 39 and a half weeks and I didn't feel Harper moving as much. And she was a super active baby as a lot of babies are. Um, And it kind of made me pause. And uh, I went to go get checked actually on the Wednesday. 
and everything was fine. They did an ultrasound. Everything was totally fine that they could see. Um, but still something two days later was really, you know, my, my mama instincts kicked in and I was like, something's just not right. So, and I was actually having some contractions at this point. I was like, okay, well maybe she's just resting, you know, getting ready for the birth. Um, so I ended up going into the hospital um, whereby they checked me, uh, and I was having mild contractions, but I'm the first thing that kind of caught me off guard was it, it moved really quickly. Like I wasn't having these super, you know, aggressive contractions and I wasn't, you know, about to give birth and they kind of rushed me in to get me going. So they checked, uh, or they broke my water, sorry. And meconium, there was meconium in the, in the, uh, water, uh, they gave me an uh, epidural and uh, they said, okay, well, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. All of a sudden, I was, of course, attached to machines and um, all of a sudden, I was just rushed into an emergency C-section. It was all in the span of, I'm going to say, you know, two minutes from getting an epidural and then just rushing, being rushed into the um, room for an emergency C-section where she was born. Um I obviously had no idea what was going on. I don't think they really did as well. And when she was born, she had lost a significant amount of blood. Um, they had to give her two blood transfusions. And we learned she, we learned much later, but we learned that she had suffered something called a fetal maternal hemorrhage, which essentially she um, she was kind of, in lack of better words, bleeding out in, inside of me. Um to this day, I'm not like 100% convinced that that's what it was. It wasn't like they found a mass amount of her blood with, with mine, but that's kind of the only thing so that they could really give it a name for. Um, she then was put on an oxygen or sorry, not an oxygen, but a, like a cooling machine. So they wanted to make sure or see if they could bring her temperature down to see how her brain was working. So she was on that for a few days attached to machines and, um, she was the third day tr transported to sick kids hospital where she, they basically gave her an, um, an MRI and they said, she's, you know, unfortunately there's no brain activity. Um, so she passed away after, sorry, she was taken off machines. Um, you know, she passed away and it was extremely traumatizing, obviously as a new mother, but also as someone who had no idea that this could really even happen. Not that you, not as a mother going into it, you, you want to think that way, but I just, you know, I was totally caught off guard. Um, so yeah, that's, that was kind of the story of how, how it all happened. I'm so sorry, Michelle. That's terrible. Thank you. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience like in the weeks and months following the death of Harper? So, um, in the weeks and months following, it was also, um, you know, I was very new to grief. I'd never experienced a, a profound loss like that before, but also I think a lot of people and regardless of when, you know, this happens in your pregnancy, when you're pregnant, the moment you become pregnant, you envision, uh, motherhood and how it's going to be. And you have all of these ideas. And I guess even as you progress further along, you know, you set up a nursery and, um, you know, you, you buy all of the things. So when I got home and I had every baby item available <laughs> in my house, it was, it was 
terrifying and triggered, very triggering. So obviously we had to, to put that all away. But I think even more with the physical aspects of things, you've just gone through an emergency C-section. So you're recovering from that. Um, you now have breast milk coming in uh, for a baby that you don't have. So that's also, you know, not only extremely triggering, but also um, it's just painful to experience to have all of this milk coming in and nothing to do with it. Um, so yeah, there were there were a lot of things that I wasn't prepared for, nor did I feel really like I had much support for from professionals. I'm going to say uh, at the hospital, they kind of they do their their best, I guess you could say <laughs> they do their best. Sick kids really um, tried to to be there for us as a family, but you know, you kind of want to also at the same time, take your time and, and kind of really go through what was happening. So, um, yeah, it was, I felt like there was a, there was a big lack of, um, education for me and like resources available. So yeah, it was, it was tough, very tough. And so after those first couple of days coming home, um, what were some of the things that you went through in the months following? So I think the the biggest thing for me was that I really wanted the main thing that I thought in my mind was like, okay, I need to get pregnant right away again. And it wasn't to replace Harper at all. She's still like a very big part of my family and my life. Uh, but it was because I was just, that's where my mind was. That's where my brain was. And, and to me, I like, I couldn't move forward until I was pregnant again and, and had that baby. And of course, with that came additional <laughs> issues of anxiety and all that stuff. But, um, so I really, my focus was on how do I get strong enough mentally and physically in order to, to carry another child. So luckily, I mean, I did have a lot of support with family and friends, thankfully. And I think a really important thing to mention is to give yourself time to grieve. Um, I really needed those coming weeks and months um, to really grieve the loss of Harper and grieve the loss of what my life was going to look like, because that's not the path it was on anymore. It was, it took a huge turn. So yeah, grieving, I think was really important uh, to me uh, and, and to a lot of people who experience a loss. I think experiencing that grief is important to move forward. Uh, so sitting in that a little bit, and then I was like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to build myself up again in order to be able to carry a baby mentally and, and physically? So I really focused on that and focused on, um, getting a, a great therapist that I could speak to who had, uh, experience in pregnancy loss and, um, and, and infant loss. Um, and then getting my body back into a place that was nourished and strong and ready to go again. <laughs> and what were some of the tools that you used to gain that strength back? I think, you know what, like now that I'm really focusing on the different aspects, like I have the time to really focus on it. I think that I know more of what I was doing where at the, the time I was just, it was grasping at straws, but I think something that really helped me truthfully was, um, mindfulness and journaling that really, really helped me. And I don't, I think it was kind of at the same time I was manifesting a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think that that really helped me, uh, move forward. Um, I think some of the tools 
also was focusing on nutrition was really helpful for me. Um, and making sure that I was, I was like, okay, my body is so depleted of all of these nutrients. Like, how can I get that back? Um, so that was, it was kind of like a project. It was like, okay, how do I get my, my body from point A to point B? And that was my, my sole focus at the time. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that in these situations where things don't go the way we would like, if we're able to focus on health practices, it can kind of give us a sense of that control. Absolutely. Um, it can give us the ability to take back um, the power of our bodies and, and our ability to make decisions and choices when something that happened was so out of our control. Absolutely. I think that's that's exactly the best way to put it is, I mean, for someone who's, a bit, I'm not going to say control freak, but like a certain amount of control. You can um, say it. It's okay. okay I'm the fine. same. I'm not a control freak. Um, self-admittedly. Um, that was a huge thing for me was the, the total loss of control. I felt like I had done everything right leading up to, to pregnancy and during pregnancy um, so that I was going to have this like perfect baby. And was she, did she look perfect? Absolutely. And that was another big hurdle was like, you gave birth to this baby who looks perfect, you know, and from someone who never had a baby before you, you don't know. And I was like, how can this, this perfect looking human not be alive? Um, so, but yes, the taking back control of that, um, the loss of control was something I think really important. And I could do that through, health and nutrition. That's great. I feel like that's a big theme in the work that I do. I see hundreds of women um, and there's there's grief in every aspect of infertility. Um, there's a grieving process that has to happen and it's not to the same extent or the same gravity as actually losing a child, but even things like having to grieve the loss of not being able to conceive in the typical way, grieving the loss of not being able to do it without the help of a doctor, grieving the loss of being able to do it without IVF. Like there's, there's stages of having to go through that along the way. And I think that there's a big loss of control with every stage. Um, and that really hits people hard, especially in the context of being powerful, accomplished, amazing women as, as we are in that we're used to being able to work really hard and do all the things and check all the boxes. And then we get this result. That's a reflection of our hard work and our dedication, but um, you know, fertility and babies and birth and even parenthood is just not like that. So, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, and even going for, further into my current like situation now, um, I went on to have three additional daughters, but my second pregnancy I ended up using, um, because I think of my desperation to get pregnant and it wasn't happening as quickly as I wanted to, which was in my mind, ASAP. Um, I ended up uh, going to a fertility clinic and and doing IUI and an IUI. And on the second one, it worked, thankfully. And from that came my daughter, Isabel. But following her birth, I magically got pregnant with twins. And um, that's another thing where you're like, how is this, you know, your fertility journey is not, I, I said, if I had gone back 10 years and said, Michelle, this is what your fertility journey is going to look like. I'm going to say no way. Like that's just not going to be it. Like you can't predict it no matter how hard you work or what you think is going to happen. It could be something entirely, entirely different. Absolutely. So you went to the fertility clinic. 
you very fortunately got pregnant with IUI in your second cycle, which is amazing. What was it like to be pregnant after having lost Harper? Uh, it was it was very difficult. Um, and I'll never forget the ultrasound that I went to right before losing Harper. So it was like two days before I was in labor. Uh, the doctor said to me, and he was an older gentleman, and he was very kind. And he just looked at me and he said, well, uh, things are absolutely perfect, like perfect. And that was another like trigger for me. I was like going into the next pregnancies. I, I was like, please don't, don't tell me that they're perfect. Don't tell me that everything's like no worries because you don't know that, you know, and nobody knows that. Um, so I think I went through my next pregnancy super cautiously. Um, and also I, I think I took a lot of emotion out of it that I where that when I was pregnant with Harper, I, you know, we said her name all the time, like before she was born and everyone, you know, knew everything. Whereas I didn't tell anybody Harper or sorry, Isabel's name until she was born. And even my mom was like, don't tell me, you know, because it was like you names become connected and attached. So, you know, it was, it was definitely difficult because I'm a super like maternal, like loving person. And I would want to, you know, talk to my bump and all of that, but I couldn't going, you know, going into my subsequent pregnancies, I had to kind of take that out of it, which I think a lot of people do when they experience loss and recurrent loss too. Right. Absolutely. And I think that it's really important to say that that's okay. It's okay to to need to feel that way. It's okay to use the coping mechanisms that work for you. It's okay to do whatever you need to do to to get through that. Um, and so, I think that you know, positivity cheerleaders have their place, but it's also really very much okay to visit those dark, anxious places and and stay there a little bit. And and that's just part of the spectrum of what you're going to experience after a loss. And it's super super common to experience tremendous anxiety after any kind of pregnancy or infant loss. I mean, even people who lose their their babies in early pregnancy can still have some of those those feelings. And I think what I see a lot of my patient population is people coming in and feeling guilty that they're not more positive and that they're not more excited about their pregnancy and they're not more, um, I mean, some people can't even talk about it or feel happy about it or any of that. And and what I tell them is that's okay. It's perfectly understandable to have those feelings. And if people are telling you think positively and you don't want to, then give them middle finger and move on, you know, yeah. internally, of course. <laughs> totally. Or sometimes maybe you can or just sometimes do it. maybe for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, with, with my, when I was pregnant with the twins, um, I had a lot of bleeding in early pregnancy to the point where I on a number of occasions, I was, I was in the hospital. I was convinced I was miscarrying. Um, and to be honest, I had built my, um, you know, my kind of coping mechanisms, as you're saying up so much and my wall up so much that it was just like, okay, well, like, this is just what's happening because, you know, your previous experience has brought you down this path of, you know, okay, well, at least, you know, at least I know what's going on. And, you know, it's it, anyway, it's just kind of, it's what your, your brain does is it, it protects you. That's what it's trying to do. That's a really good way of putting it. So I'd like to talk a little bit about tools. Um, 
I definitely want to ask about your organization, Well Together Health. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's funny how it all came about. Um, I obviously have been very, I try, I've tried to keep in touch with people from who have experienced loss and, and in any degree of loss, uh, a commute, kind of a little community. And I found it when I, after Harper passed away, uh, I found it difficult to, to connect to those people. And when I did, and there were a few that I did connect with, I found it extremely satisfying speaking with them and knowing I'm not I'm not alone in this. Like this isn't just happened to me. This has happened. And it's such an unfortunate group to be a part of, but um, it's reassuring when you have been gone through this that other people also have as well and and people that can understand how you're feeling. So uh, October 15th every year is um, Pregnancy and Loss Awareness Day. Um, and this year I was like, okay, I kind of want to do something now that my kids are a little bit older, that they were, they were in school for a little bit. I was like, okay, I have some time to myself where, um, I can kind of focus my attention on other things other than, than, than kids. So I really wanted to do an event where, uh, it combined, it combined kind of things that I, the tools that helped me move forward. So one of the things was was fitness or movement, I should say, not fitness necessarily, but just moving your body that really helped me um, get out the anxieties and stress of things while also kind of improving my own mental health. I think for me, it was honestly more about mental health than physical health. I mean, obviously that helped, but it really, it's a, it's a big thing for me for my mental health and also just talking about it. Um, with other people who've experienced similar things. So uh, this year, uh, we did, I combined with my movement kind of group, which is called Soar Studios, and uh, Nathania, who is the founder of it, and she's a wonderful person. She was like, okay, like, let's do this. I'm going to give you at this time, things were open. So she's like, you can take the studio and you can have maximum, I think it was 10 women in there, you can move and then you can lead a discussion you know, open kind of forum. Um, a week later, they shut it down. <laughs> so we moved it online, but we still did it. Thanks, but, COVID. Yeah, thank you. Um, but Nat was like, okay, but this is the thing, like, you're going to do this all on your own. She's like, you're going to promote it. Like, you're going to, and she's like, you should build a website. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, this was not the plan. I was supposed to just make this a small thing. But um, it was kind of like in my six month plan, but not in my like six day plan. <laughs> so, but in six days, I, I built a website, I started, you know, um, my Instagram account. And that's kind of how it all started. So we held this event. It was wonderful. There were, I think about 15, 15 or 17 women who had experienced loss ranging from anything from uh, an ectopic pregnancy to there were also women who were unable to get pregnant in infer, infertility um and yeah so and to people who had lost uh, infants as well um following birth so it was wonderful it was really nice to open up this forum to people of all different types of loss and to talk openly and honestly and there were tears and there was laughs and and it was great so that's kind of how it started and then from there, I've just been, I've been trying to, um, get resources like, such as yourself that I wish that I had, um, when I had gone through, through the loss. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing so openly with us. I know that 
even just hearing stories like this can be so helpful for some people just to let them know that they're not alone and that other people have been through it. I think it's really, really important because we don't talk about it enough culturally. We don't have cultural mental health supports. We don't have rituals. We don't have anything that we do um, to help people through this. And so it's so amazing that you're doing what you're doing because we need a lot more of that. So thank you. Thank you. So I know that uh, today what we're going to do is, and this is kind of the first time I've done this on the podcast, but our intention was to kind of interview each other um, because we both want to be able to share this episode with our followers and our audiences. And so Michelle, I know you wanted to ask me a couple of questions. So I'd love to go ahead and go into that part of the conversation now. Awesome. Thank you so much. For answering these questions. Because to be honest with you, I don't know too, too much about acupuncture. I've learned more about it following my, my fertility journey. Um, so I just kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, the kind of support that acupuncture can provide. And it not only just following a, a miscarriage or a loss, but maybe even like leading up to having a, a healthy pregnancy, like what you do. Yeah, of course. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so I'll try, yeah, I know. I'll try it's a big to question. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think I think I can simplify it. So Chinese medicine and acupuncture is a medicine that is all encompassing. So we don't just look at the physical aspect of things. We also prioritize mental health just as significantly as the rest of it. So when we're seeing somebody for treatment, we're addressing their emotional health in the same way as we're addressing their physical health. We don't put more weight on one than the other. Both are equally important. And I think that when, in the context of healing from a loss or a miscarriage, um, there's definitely physical things that we can do to help. So improving blood flow to help with inflammation, um, help post-surgically. So in your case, you had a C-section. So we'd be looking at you know, helping you heal from that, um, you know, dealing with everyday aches and pains that can come along with that kind of thing, uh, looking at restoring hormonal balances, looking at uh, regulating your body so your period can come back in a nice way, um, because obviously you're not going to ovulate unless you've got a period. So that's really, really important to look at, um, you know, doing all of those physical things to basically just get you as healthy as possible, because that's really the objective at the end of the day regardless of your past, if you're wanting to get pregnant again, we're just looking at creating an optimal health situation and therefore optimal fertility. So that's um, definitely something that we work with when the person is ready. And that kind of brings me to my next point, which is that not everybody's ready right away to dive into preparing the body for the next pregnancy. I know that for you, you were like, yep, I want to go ahead right away. I want to get pregnant as soon as possible. But it's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I know that it was a priority for you. And it was something that was super important to you to be able to cope with what had happened. But for some, they're like, yeah, I just, I can't even imagine being pregnant again. I can't even imagine trying to get pregnant again. I can't imagine being able to cope with the anxiety or the feelings that would, would come with going down that path again. And so maybe in that context, we're just looking at balance, balancing the nervous system, 
you know, making sure that we regulate things to be in a more peaceful state. So kind of that rest and digest stage instead of that fight or flight stage, which you inevitably spend a lot of time in when you've had a loss like that, you know, just being able to help people's bodies feel a little more relaxed and at peace can be the main objective and that's totally okay. And then the other thing that I think that practitioners who work in fertility and pregnancy especially in the context of recurrent miscarriage or loss. Um, You know, when you work in fertility, you see a lot of that, unfortunately. I think that if, if a practitioner is really paying attention to what it is that they're actually doing, they get really good at just listening and holding space. And I think that that can be a really important consideration as well, because sometimes your acupuncturist or your naturopath or your therapist or whoever you see might be the only person in your life that you get to talk to on a regular basis that you know, might not get it um, from the perspective of going through it personally, although I know there are practitioners out there that do practice in in fertility and and have gone through losses. But if you see somebody experienced, at the very least, they're not going to, you know, say something that's not quite helpful. (laughs) They're not going to say something that's not great. I've heard some stories from patients who I think people in their lives have genuinely wanted what was best and they were trying to say the right thing. But my goodness, I've <laughs> I've heard some stories of people saying just not the right thing at all. And so when you see somebody who works in that field, we tend to develop a sensitivity for um, you know, the way to approach things in in a way that's a little bit more gentle. And a lot of the time it's just kind of listening and saying, yeah, this really sucks. And it's okay that you feel terrible today. And I'm going to sit here with you while you feel, will you feel terrible? And that's all we'll do today. And that's okay. I love that. I just allowing, like giving them the space to, you know, be in their emotions, no matter what they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that brings me to another question that I had. I mean, it kind of, you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, if acupuncture can help with the like grieving aspect and the, the potential depression and anxiety, but I guess you've, you've like, that's kind of what part and parcel of what you do. So yeah, that's one thing. I would say that's true. Good. Um, and then, are there any, I was wondering if there are any simple things that you can do kind of at home based on Chinese medicine principles um, that, that you can help recovery uh, following a loss, like if there was anything? Yeah, of course. Um, I want to keep it really simple because I think that people can often experience an intensive sense of overwhelm in this kind of situation. So there are a lot of things that you can do according <laughs> sure. to Chinese medicine. I'm sure. <laughs> what I would like to offer is that um, just giving yourself permission to rest as much as possible. I think that in our culture, we're really prone to, especially us women who are high achieving and professional, um, which tends to be our circles being in Toronto, I would think, um, we really tend to kind of skip past this stuff and just get right back to work. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that, you know, there are reasons where, um, you know, our employment situations don't necessarily um, allow for time off, especially in the context of, of, uh, you know, an early miscarriage, um, you're not really going to get permission from, uh, necessarily your doctor or your employer to be able to take time off and rest. Um, 
I think if, if you lose a baby like you did, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but I think that just being able to advocate for that is a huge thing. And then giving yourself permission to rest because our bodies have just been through an incredible couple of transitions. So it's, it's not only getting pregnant and being through that hormonal cascade that happens when you get pregnant, but also losing the pregnancy or losing the baby and then having to recover from that. And that physiological process requires a lot of energy just to be able to heal. And so, um, and that can look really different for people. It might mean just totally being in bed all the time and not using your mind at all, or it could be being a little bit active, but in a restful way. Um, so it could mean spending time in nature and walking and breathing in fresh air and taking in all the beautiful sights and, and filling your senses with, um, you know, beautiful inspiration. It can look different for everybody, but just being okay with taking as long as you need to be able to do that. That would be my advice. Yeah. And I think that also allows people to really comprehend like the extent of what's just happened for both physically and mentally. And as I said, um, for me, like I still, I mean, I'm still grieving the loss of Harper. So, I mean, it's something I think I'll take with me. I know I'll take with me for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I, I think that's important though. I think recognizing it and, and kind of feeling it really, really helps you move forward. Yeah, I think so. And everybody's going to do it at their own pace. Um, you know, some people are going to be ready for feeling into it a lot sooner than others and just being okay with your own individual needs and your own individual timeline, I think is really important because nobody else can dictate when you're going to be quote ready to go back to work or get off the couch or move on or, you know, start exercising in the way that you're supposed to, to get your body back after you've been pregnant, like all this bullshit that our culture tells us is, is necessary. Um, uh, just, you know, looking at your own needs and, and your own body is what I highly recommend and then seeking help as you can. Yeah. And figuring out what's right for you and you in that time, because every loss is different, you know, as we know, um, and every person's different. So it's, it's really finding the right recipe for, for yourself. Like, um, okay. And then I guess my final question would be, you know, for women who are ready to try and conceive following a loss, do you recommend, uh, starting acupuncture like prior to, con prior to trying to conceive? I would say yes. Um, that would be my immediate answer is yes. And of course everybody's different. Um, but if you feel that you have the time and the capacity to be able to embark on adding something else to your list, I do think that acupuncture can be incredibly beneficial. I think that, um, being able to establish a relationship with a practitioner before, you get in the, into the thick of being pregnant and experiencing everything that you're going to experience. It's nice to kind of have that relationship with somebody already. And then the other aspect is all of the wonderful physical benefits that we talked about, um, improving pelvic blood flow, regulating hormones, regulating the nervous system, um, ensuring that your period is regular and, and is working properly. Uh, those are all really, really good things to start working up to. And then, um, you know, cause if you're talking physiologically, you really do want to have a couple of normal periods before you start trying again. And acupuncture is something that can help kind of speed up that regulation process. Most of the time, 
a person's body will go back to normal on its own. Um, but using a therapy like acupuncture or even seeing a naturopathic doctor and doing supplement work uh, can kind of help that process regulate even more quickly and more efficiently, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for answering my questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is kind of fun to do a double interview. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because I usually just get on here and kind of let my guests talk. So it was nice to get up on my soapbox a little bit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So, Michelle, will you let us know uh, where people can find you and touch base with you? I know that you have a bit of an online following. So let's uh, yeah, have you um, tell us about that. And I'll make sure that I link everything in the show notes. Awesome. So, yeah, so I I do most of uh, most things on Instagram, um, which is well together at well together health. And I also have a website uh, with a few blog posts. And I'm, I'm planning on putting uh, quite a bit up. Uh, quite a bit more up um, in the coming weeks. Things have just been very hectic around here uh, with COVID and such. So um, I'm really, yeah, I, my, my goal is to provide resources, uh, a safe place. I have quite a few blogs um, on women's different, different women's stories and their different stories of loss and um, not only loss, but, you know, fertility journeys. So um, yeah, that's, that's the best way to reach me for now. And, you know, I always people, anyone who wants to share their story, I encourage them to contact me and I would love to kind of help people get, get their story out. Perfect. Again, thank you so much. It's wonderful to meet people who are doing the good work that you're doing. And again, I'll make sure that I put all that information into the show notes for whoever wants to touch base with you. So thanks again, Michelle. Thank you. So that was my interview with Michelle. She's so lovely. I hope you'll go check out her offerings if it's something that resonates with you. I'll link all of her info in the show notes as promised. So that's it for me today. I'll be back with another episode next Wednesday. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community, 